So obviously the Packers are being devoid right now of you know some wide receivers and their talent. Yep. We see what Aaron Rodgers said last week that depending on how long he stays would be the growth of Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Uh, talking about you know from your rookie year, just learning curve, obviously growing pains. Year one to year two, there's a jump. Then two to three, there's a really big jump. Then if you're around for three to four, there's a huge, even bigger jump. So Rodgers saying that could you know lengthen his career with the Green Bay Packers, but. There is this floating around or out there. Uh, Rodgers, after the game on Sunday, was asked about Devontae Adams. Or, I'm sorry, uh, o- Odell Beckham Jr., excuse me. If Odell Beckham Jr. would be a good fit as uh, OBJ uh, is on the short list in the eyes of Vegas of landing for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, RJ, Rowdy, would you guys want to see uh, Odell? Bring him home. In Green Bay? Bring him home. And bring his putty knife to fix that, you know. Yeah. When we pop that hole in the drywall at his fest. I'd be open to it. I mean, especially with where Sammy Watkins is already on the yeah, IR. IR. Um, that's at least four weeks. I feel like most Packer fans were probably just waiting for Randall Cobb to come down with an injury. Those are two of your veteran guys. Odell Beckham Jr. is a guy that has relatively been pretty healthy in his life outside of the uh, ACL that he tore last year. Ah. Still scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Did. And he and he did show that he still had some juice when he was playing with the uh, Rams last year. Yeah, I, I would consider it. It's not like I, I need to go out there and sign him right now. It's not going to hurt anything. Make no, the Packers' no. room better. Uh, Rodgers was asked about it, actually, after the game. I don't really feel like there's a, a need to comment until he's healthy, but, you know, that's really a question for Brian and his staff. I'm always going to before adding anybody to our squad who can help us win. Whether or not we need an OBJ, who knows. But I like the person, love the player, and uh, just want him to be healthy, honestly. He's been through a lot the last few years, and that's the most important thing. So that's a yes. That sounds like a yes to that's me. That's a yes. Especially this little part right here where he says, Whether or not we need an OBJ, who knows. But I like the person, love the player. And- yeah. That's like that sounds uh, like a go get him to me. That's not as out there as Brett Favre and Randy, Randy Moss. Moss. You think, hey, let's hey, play together. Give me Randy Moss right now. Let's go. Let's get it done. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to? Okay. This is just, you know, this is a little. An OBJ. Who knows? But I like the person. Love the player. Like the person. Love the player. Yeah. That sounds like a little Aaron Rodgers. Wink, wink, like nudge, a, nudge. Hey, good. You know would be great? Remember when I told this you? Guy. Remember I told you to go get Randall Cobb and you did it? Hey, hey. hey I wanted Odell yo. Beckham Jr. Hi, yo. And this guy hasn't even been here before. Yeah, Randall Cobb, though, uh, in that game. Now, we played the O.J. Simpson comments yesterday of him, like, you know, Rodgers is... It, it's weird to say the juice, O.J., saying Rodgers trying to turn Randall Cobb into a Devontae. Hey, Twitter or, world. It's hey, the juice. Hey, it's me. Hey, Twitter world. It's me. The juice. Randall Cobb, 13 targets, 7 receptions, 99 yards against the Giants on Sunday. Now, I think Randall Cobb was getting that many looks because he was, I don't know, open. Um, yeah. Also, was Aaron Rodgers' guy. We all know that. Alan Lazard, 8 catches, or 8 targets, excuse me, 4 catches into that tutty. He had Romeo Dobbs, 5 targets, uh, 3 catches. Big Bob Tunyon, 4 for 4. And it kind of dips off from there. But, I mean, if you're throwing... <laughs> Is this an indictment on Brian Gutekunst then? Because we all knew coming into the season you never had a clear-cut number one. Yeah. What do we think of the job so far, Brian Gutekunst, and this wide receiver staff? He's really reliant on um, rookie wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, We knew there'd be growing pains. Until their contracts are up, not renew them, and get a new batch of rookie receivers. (laughs) Like... 
Let's just think about this, though. Where would this team be if Aaron Rodgers wasn't the quarterback? Like, what if this was like an average Jimmy Garoppolo type quarterback? They'd probably be I don't know. one and four. Doing okay. uh, yeah, they'd be looking like uh, be, the Commanders, the Bears, the Lions. But that's the thing. Jimmy Garoppolo has Debo Samuel, George no, Kittle, like a stable of rotational running backs, and, and Jeff Wilson's kind of emerged here lately. I bet, you, I bet you Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Exactly. <laughs> Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon wouldn't be bitching about not getting carries if Jordan Love was a quarterback. That's because they'd be getting all the carries. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You'd have receivers be like, uh, hey, hey, I'm not getting the ball. Well, then Jordan Love would be like, well, you're not the number one or anything, guy. You're just, you know. And Justin Fields would be like, yeah. you're never going to get the ball. I don't know what, Rowdy. Do you think the Packers would be 3-2, and 4-1 and one undefeated if Jordan Love was a quarterback? I bet you they'd be 2-3, and 1-4, and four, or 0-5. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. worse. Big time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Aaron Rodgers talking more about, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. coming there, but how far away from the, uh, they are being able to play a complete game. Something we've been saying for a while now. It's like the Packers have like one good quarter under their belt yeah. every game. Uh, here's Rodgers on that. The cliche answer would be really close, but the actual answer is unknown, honestly. There's a standard <laughs> that we've played at for a long time, and... Just because the faces change doesn't mean the standard changes. That's a hard concept, I think, to grasp at times. But we hold ourselves to a really high standard. I hold myself to a high standard. And we're just not quite there yet. Now this, I mean, they really aren't, obviously. Much like Shez Malusi, out indefinitely. Mm, look at those badgers coming up. So <laughs> I'm trying to think of each phase of the game here. It, is there any phase where they're from defense offense or special teams where they feel like they've been complete outside of one quarter for the offense. Like the defense has shown flashes, obviously Amari Rogers has got to stop returning punts. Like that guy is, that's yeah, that tough. guy's got to just not be on the field anymore. He's, he stinks. And then you look at this team right now, it's like, all right, what is your best player? Who is your best player? Aaron Jones. What is your best thing you can do? Run the football. What do you not do in a lot of these losses? Run the football. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? So <laughs> Rogers on, you know, the team being right now, Three and two. Uh, how does he feel about the green and gold? Take a listen. We get to handle adversity a little bit better. We're a little bit of a roller coaster team at times. Uh, our best teams have been a little bit more steady. So we got to find that rhythm and that, that steadiness. We got to get back and get healthy and get rested. We got a home game uh, that we'll probably be favored in against the Jets. And we got to go back and, and refocus. Now, despite injury at the end of seasons, like, you know, um, when the Packers were going against the Cardinals and it was Jeff Janis, Jared Eberderis, and the ghost of James Jones, is this the most, I don't want to say devoid of talent, but is this most devoid of talent the Packers wide receiver room has ever been for Rodgers? Yeah. Kind of seems like it, right? I mean, some of it's unproven talent because I think we've seen, like, what Watson and Dubs can do. It's just not season tested. Yeah. Um, and the bad thing is. See, RJ's right here is because Christian Watson ready. is a guy that uh, as a second round pick, he's a guy with all the upside in the world. Extremely good athlete. Runs like what? The four upper four threes. Yep. Has the incredible athleticism and wingspan. All that stuff that looks good on paper. Romeo Dobbs was the guy that was kind of the the older college receiver that had a lot of good, solid, productive years at a smaller Division One school, but yet when he played against some bigger time competition, still continued to ball out. And 
that's a guy that was going to come in and be more productive right away. You hope that you can continue to get more out of them. Both of them still have ceilings to get to. There's no doubt about that. They can both be good. You know exactly what you have in Watkins, and you know exactly what you have in Randall Cobb. But some of those teams, like the one that you were just kind of comparing it to, like the Jeff Janis, the James Jones, like that type of receiving quarterback. Those were guys that pretty much were what they were. Like Jeff Janis was fast but couldn't run a route. Aberderis was a you know solid route running receiver, but he couldn't stay healthy and on the field. James Jones was at the end of his career and not very fast. And it didn't help that he yeah. wore a parachute with a hood. <laughs> but like those guys were what they were. And at that point in their career, you knew that Aberderis was battling health issues. You knew that Jeff Janis was just athletic. And you knew that James Jones was on his last legs in the NFL. Like with these guys now with the Green Bay Packers, a lot of them are young and they have upside and they're learning. Yeah. Those guys weren't really. Those and Aaron Rodgers is different learning. too. They, they have been there, done that in the NFL and, and, there was no ceilings. They they yeah. were what they were. So yeah, this this might be just as I guess talented or it's not, not even talented. They're maybe just as good on the field right now, but there's Can get definitely better. more talent and, and more room to get better for this receiving core. Yeah. And there's no doubt about that. Now Rogers was looking a little different this year. Uh, a lot of people pointing out on uh, Sunday just missing wide receivers. Are, are we seeing the decline now of Rogers, or just like this is a disconnect between the Romeo Dobbs, the Christian Watsons? One, his receivers have gotten worse this year. I don't think <laughs> I don't think anyone will argue with that. When you take away one of the best receivers in the NFL, replace replace them with with, I don't know, guys that you just drafted that aren't Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson rookies, but are growing rookies that you knew were going to have growing pains. And, oh, I don't know. Now, all of a sudden, the guy that he's targeting the most, like last week, is Randall Cobb. Yeah. You didn't think there was going to be a drop-off from Devontae Adams? Like, of course there was going to be. Like, that's why I'm... I kind of scratched the head over the going like, into the season. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has Lazard played great. is your number one. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has played great, but do you re- did you really think that he would win a fifth MVP this no, year no. with the receiving core no. and the weapons that he that he was no. had? No, you took away one of the best weapons in the NFL. You added a bunch of young guys or older receivers that aren't number one. Yeah, we know what they are, and at this point in their careers, at the very best, they're like threes. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, the offense is struggling. Why is this? Well, okay, well, think here's about why. It. All of and your, they don't run the ball. All of your current proven wide receivers, like the Randall Cobbs, like the Sammy Watkins, like the Alan Lazards, on a good receiving core, are no higher than three. Yeah. Randall Cobb might not even be higher than four. <laughs> and he got 13 targets the most. And then it's a bunch of young guys. He almost doubled up Lazard on targets. And if you look at some of those uh, efficiency... Almost. Maps where we were talking earlier in the in the show, like Baker Mayfield was like by far the worst quarterback in the NFL, and it's not even close. Yeah, and weirdly enough, Geno Smith was the best quarterback in the NFL efficiency wise. Aaron Rodgers is still because it was on the upper right hand side. It was Geno Smith, Gap, um, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tua, 
another gap, and then like a lot of other quarterbacks, like the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Aaron Rodgers of the world. So he still has played probably in that five to ten quarterback range yeah. when you go back and look at efficiency. And he's playing with guys that are much less talented mm-hmm. and much more inexperienced. So is Aaron Rodgers completely falling off? I don't know. I don't see him missing any more passes than he did last couple of years. Does he miss passes from time to time? Of course, he's human. Yeah, Does he gonna... still put the ball where we're going to go, well, I wish it would have been half an inch to the right. Yeah, he still puts <laughs> the ball exactly where it has to be uh-huh. way more than he misses passes, and that's not even close. And it's not like uh, a Drew Brees or a Peyton Manning where they hit 40 years old and all of a sudden they couldn't throw the ball more than 40 yards down the field. Yeah, he He's still literally throwing it 65 yards. Yeah, he's still slinging it down the Yeah, yeah that, I, don't see a, I don't see a talent or an ability drop off from Aaron Rodgers. It's literally a young core and a disconnect with some of the receivers and just receivers that aren't that talented. Yeah. Cobb used to be a number two at Rich his top. Randall Cobb. Sammy Watkins was probably a good number two as his as his peak. That's, they're just not there anymore. Nope. Will the offense figure it out? Will they need to get a reliable pass catcher to cure the second half scoring woes? Like an Odell Beckham Jr. We'll talk more about it. I can't. One thing coming was, up. They have two good running backs. But if Christian McCaffrey was really on the trading block like they're talking, go get him. Would you consider getting a third running back or DJ Moore? Why? Well, so Matt Lafleur can't use him. Would you have to use him then? Like Christian McCaffrey's like, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Christian Check McCaffrey is the one running back that did rush for a thousand yards and, catch. and receive over a thousand yards. Like, dude, so, uh, look at I'm me the next Lafleur. closest player to that that season. Could you imagine if we get to the middle of the season and Watkins and and Cobb are both hurt and all of a sudden your new slot receivers are uh, McCaffrey and Jones? That'd be pretty (laughs) Dylan's Dylan's in the back. Chugging along. That'd be pretty sweet. Line three, good morning. Holy buckets. I thought I was calling the cable company. I was on hold so long. Hey, hey, you'd be so lucky to call the cable company and get on this quick. Come on. (laughs) This is Bill. Hey, Billy, what's going on? I'll tell you what. I'm having fun. First of all, I I don't think – I don't – Lafleur's forgotten more football than Polly remembers. I think Lafleur doesn't know football, but he's a really good cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, how about I would love to ride off the coattails of Aaron Rodgers. Did you Rogers. say he's a younger Jason Garrett then? I know he doesn't clap a lot. Oh my he? gosh, Jason Garrett was ten times the coach Lafleur is. He just never had a quarterback like Lafleur does. Are we all souring on the floor right now? I think so. Well, you so do you, you probably don't remember this, but in January I called and I gave you a hard time about having to go to the Packer playoff game. And driving home in the snowstorm. No, I remember. I, you, I remember you telling me. And and Lafleur sitting there, like waving his arms like a freaking cheerleader. <laughs> and I didn't watch the game on Sunday because I was out bird hunting. But yeah. I'll tell you what: on on the week, Sunday before, I'm watching against the Patriots. We got home for the last quarter, and he's doing that cheerleading thing, raising his arms up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Am I going to be bad? Am I talking like Troy Aikman addresses? But maybe he should put a little skirt on. <laughs> but you know what I did realize, guys? You What's know what that? I really did realize? Lafleur wasn't hired for his coaching. He was hired to keep Aaron Rodgers around because any real coach would not put up with his stuff at this point. Really? And they, I and thought you were a Rodgers guy. Packers, yeah, I, I am an Aaron Rodgers guy, yeah. but somebody needs to get his head out of his ass. <laughs> Seriously. I love it, Billy. I love it. 
I mean, I'm sorry. You know, he is great. And I, I want Aaron Rodgers here, but somebody, you know, I mean, he's gotten kind of weird, don't you think? Well, there's been some people think so on Twitter. There's this been is my favorite version of Rogers. different uh, videos popping up of plays where, you know, and we've seen this the last couple of years, too, where Aaron Rodgers maybe doesn't take the easy play or the wide open play, trying to make like a, a hero play, as some people would yep. term it. And I, I agree. There has been times where it's like, dude, so and so is wide open, yeah. but you forced into the triple coverage with Devonte Adams or. You know, you were looking at Randall Cobb because he's been having a nice game when so-and-so was wide open or two guys were open. I think he does fall victim to that. Do you think the, the offense and Rodgers will figure it out as the season progresses, Billy? Well, does you know, once again, it's kind of like we talked about the Bucks a few years ago. Does it really matter unless they go deep in the playoffs or get to the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, do we really care for a... Do we really care if it's thirteen and three or, no. or thirteen and four or ten and seven? As long as you're in the Just, playoffs, they get a chance at the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. And you don't you don't crap an egg in the in the playoffs again. Yeah. So I mean, I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, how do you? You can't win the Super Bowl if you're not in the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, if, if they get there with three losses, whatever, four losses, whatever, as long as you're in there. I almost feel like ever since they won the Super Bowl in 2011. Regular seasons don't matter as long as you make the playoffs. Like it's as long as you can qualify to make the playoffs. Like you said, who cares if you were ten and six back then, or if you were yeah. fourteen and two, or fifteen and one? It was always the dynasty, right? They were supposed to be a dynasty, Super Bowl, Super Bowls, and they've fallen short. Like, do you, Bill? Do you care if you get an NFC North champion hat again? No, no. And you, you know what, though, I'll tell you what, McCarthy until the last two years. He could make adjustments at half. I mean, if you go look, he could make adjustments at half. And Highly I'm successful. not just bringing this up for the first time. Um, Lafleur can't make adjustments. He's. I mean, didn't I hear on your show he was going to get fired from the Titans after one year? Yeah, you can yeah. go back and yeah. look. And every single stop that Matt right. Lafleur had been at, this is why I remember I was pretty, pretty tough on Lafleur when he was hired and some yep. of the decisions he's made and things that they've done. And I actually named my fantasy team a couple of years ago. LaFraud took a lot of <laughs> he heat, took, he a, took a lot of heat for that one, he did. but <laughs> it was funny. Uh, yeah, I I'm with you. Like he doesn't make adjustments in every single stop he's ever been at the previous place. They actually improved the year he left. Uh, and you, you know, here's another question for you. <laughs> yeah. where, where has Joe Barry been successful before Last year at the Packers, he was successful, right? Yeah. But before that, where is, has he been successful anywhere? Not, not really. So why did why did Lef- Well, Lef- I mean, remember they they wanted for Jimmy Leonard. I mean, Joe Barry was the second or third option, if you remember correctly. I know that. I remember that. And Jimmy Leonard, luckily, I mean, what did Jimmy Leonard see that you know behind the doors that he didn't go there? Yeah, I had to pull up Joe Barry's official uh, career as a coach and. He never really stayed anywhere super long at at a same position, especially at a higher level position like a DC. A lot of linebacker coach, uh, you know. I don't know. Hey, he went defeated. That's a that's a stat. He went defeated the Lions. As a DC, there's nothing too impressive. Well, I, I mean, it's you know what. I'm glad I did what I did on Sunday morning. Hey, how's the fishing? Staying home and and um, I think I think that the Packers are built to keep Aaron Rodgers around as long as possible and not make him better. And I don't know how you make somebody better who makes $50 million a year. He's in control of that team. 
I'm not saying I would be any different. Well, I know how you make them better. You don't rely on a bunch of uh, old wide receivers that are like 32 plus or, and then bring in two rookies. That's not our first round pick. So, okay. I agree with you, but here's my question. How do you, what do you do? I mean, you're paying him 50, you're paying him $50 million a year. How much are you ta- paying Bakhtiari? How much are you paying Jones? I mean, between those guys, what are they making? 80 million? More money than God. So they're making they're making almost those three guys are making almost half the salary on the offense. How can you afford to go get more offensive players? Yeah, I mean it's a conundrum, isn't it? Well, and here we are. Right. And here we are. Fun to talk about. Yeah. Hey, can I give you some more bad news? Yeah, sure. Why not pile on? There we go. I just flipped my diesel. Oh, hang on. You 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 just filled your diesel and what? Well, I filled it up today at five twenty-five a gallon, Oof. and on Thursday last week I filled it up at four twenty a gallon. Uh, yeah, prices are going up again, dude. <laughs> get ready, get ready to bend over. Oh bend my gosh! Over. So it could be worse. Could be six bucks a gallon. And the Packers could be one and four. Hey, you just wait. There's still time. Yeah, just wait till December. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, hey. we love. Yeah, we love you, Billy. Take, take care, guys. Have a see, great day. See you, homie. See you, bud. Yeah, remember we went to bed. It was like gas was like what? It was like what was gas like three? This is like two weeks ago. Gas was like three something rowdy. Then we woke up. It was like four twenty. It was like 380, then up to 420 when we woke up the next day. Like, uh-huh. That was pretty cool. Not. Speaking of Badger Saturdays, not good news uh, out of Wisconsin. Ches Malusi out indefinitely, boys, as uh, he suffered a wrist injury on Saturday in the win over Northwestern, underwent surgery on Sunday. Jimmy Leonard told reporters yesterday they aren't exactly sure how long he will be out. Second leading rusher, 223 yards and one touchdown, while also catching one score. When Braylon Allen hit him with the Wildcat. Wow. So this is this is one thing that hearing those numbers from Ches Malusi. So the Wisconsin Badgers are what? Six games in now? Yep. Yep. He's the second leading rusher and he has less than 300 yards. 223 yards and two tutties. Uh, you know, we always remember not too long ago about how Wisconsin for basically the past 20 years would have like 2000 yard rushers or three 1000 yard rushers. What was that? A couple times in there, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the other yeah. things that we talk about since 2020. It just seems like something has been off. Yes. The line has been in my opinion, soft and they're just not blocking the way they did prior to 2020. But also, that's another thing. I feel like the the lack of running back talent has also been a real thing since Jonathan Taylor left. Well, he's also only had 56 rush attempts. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is, in general, oh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not pointing a finger at Ches Malusi. I actually think that well, was a no, pretty I, good pick I was pick just up. saying, for only having 220, he's averaging four yards a carry. But, like, he's not even getting as many touches as he did last year. What was it, 2020, where Nakia Watson was the featured back? Yeah. yeah. Like, think about how bad that running back room was. Nakia Watson isn't getting 100% of the snaps in Washington, Washington State. State. And well, he just got injured last week. Yeah. Well, Isaac Garendo, 92 yards, three touchdowns. There's your third. Well, and that's the other thing. Julius Davis, 82 yards. A lot of those guys that were in that mix have been in the mix for like the last three to four years. And you just really, one, they can't stay healthy. Two, they haven't really shown a ton when they have given an opportunity. Or it's just been fleeting moments of plays. And I feel like that's, that's another issue. And now when you think about it, 
and you look at what this Wisconsin Badger team has done since 2020, we talk about how the line has been soft and they're not playing up to the the stars that they were recruited at. I just brought up that the fact that the running back room seems to be pretty much the same and pretty lackluster since 2020 and guys that have left were probably even worse than than the guys that they still currently have. Now they did add Malusi. <laughs> I, I, I want. I don't want to burst your bubble here, but 2020, Garrett Groshek was the lead back. <laughs> and that's face. a guy that's a third down back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he. It, 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 uh, but anyway, that didn't even goes it, more you know, to yeah, my I know, point. I know. That's, why I, that's football. why I brought it up. <laughs> but then how about this? And then the one guy that we've actually been talking about more recently because he was playing well, Graham Mertz. But I would say most Badger fans, and I would also argue that since 2020, there's been a lot more to be desired from the quarterback position because we talk about that game against Northwestern this weekend. That was probably the second best game of his career outside Mm -hmm. of game one against Illinois. Hands down. And I would say that you could probably argue he's had maybe two or three other good, good games. Michigan. And all the other ones are are probably so-so at best or eh, eh, it was okay. But that's the thing. When you all of a sudden you have a line that's not playing well, your quarterback isn't playing well and there's no one to threaten him. And then the running room has basically been the same the last three years. This is what you get. Crap, your offense stinks. This is what you get. People but that forget. does that does fall on Chris and the coaching staff to a degree because they're the ones that are supposed to go out there and find these players to replace guys or use the transfer portal to go find better reinforcements. Yeah. And then you find out they didn't have a recruiting room for nearly a full year. Yep. And then he was shown the door because one of many problems, that being one of them. And now you wonder how, but Here's then you just sign. sit here and you go, how the hell did it become this? How did this fall apart in the way that it did? RJ, any inklings? Um, why did you not? Yeah. Why did you not do anything it's, about it? It's and why did you not go? Why did you not go recruit another quarterback when Graham Mertz was proven in 2020 to be up and down, or even in 2021 where he didn't play that well? Why did you? you yeah. Why did you never ever go test the portal? Why did you never ever actually go hard? on a recruit that had more than, you know, two or three stars. Why didn't you do that? I understand with the running back room, it was kind of juggling. And then you found Ches Malusi transfer there. And then he, what did he tear his Achilles? And then yeah, uh, yeah towards ACL, or ACL. Yeah. the Rutgers game missed the final. And, and you had Braylon Allen come out of nowhere. So I kind of get the running back room, but it was void of talent for a couple of years for but, sure. But you did kind of patch that up. Yeah. It's not necessarily the running back rooms that you've seen in the past, but it's still it's still solid. The line but, stinks, but and the, the quarterback line play was, stinks. Was still terrible, and it, and it, I get maybe you you didn't want to go out and recruit maybe all these other top linemen again because you were trying to develop some of the guys sure. that had them. But still, it's like, well, why aren't they developing if they're this high of a recruit or? Why haven't you gotten a court? Like there was a lot of things they could have went out and done, or maybe, Hey, maybe we should bring in a running back or a couple offensive linemen from the portal to actually, I don't know, bring in some competition for these guys that are supposed to be good. Maybe Mm -hmm. kick them in the ass a little bit and get them going. I don't know, but it was all just hands off. Like, eh, 
we're fine. Yeah, it's even like complacency. It it's complacency. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, yeah, we'll be fine. I'm just going to go with the flow and not, you know, roll, rock the boat here. And now you look at Wisconsin. How do you not, at one point, the top five linemen in the NFL were all from Wisconsin. The yeah. top paid linemen in the NFL, all from Wisconsin. How could you not go out there and be like, to yes. anyone in the country, be like, hey, yes. you see this? These guys are making oodles of money. They got more money than God. Guess what they all have in common? They were linemen for Wisconsin football. But, I mean, the year that happened, your offensive line recruits were Nolan Rucci, J.P. Benchwall, and Riley Mullman, all number one recruits in their state and all top 20 at their position of offensive tackle in, in the position. So, I mean... They did do that. Doesn't now it there seem, hasn't been developed. The, the, yeah, doesn't it seem what is weird it? that they continue to grab some of all some of these players that are so highly respected? Like Rucci was trying to decide between what was it, Wisconsin, Penn State, and there was another big time school. Yeah, but it's like okay, so Stole you got away from Penn you State. got this guy. You brought in another guy that's a five star. Oh, this is a very high four star. How how is every single one of them? slow to develop or not developing. It's mind-boggling. It doesn't make any sense. No, You've never had these issues before, and it's not like it's not like Paul Chris got here in 2015 and, mm. and there's never been any Clemson develop- was the other school. Clemson. Yeah. Oh, pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, how, it's not like he had just got here in 2015, rode off of, like, Gary Anderson or even, I guess, to a degree, some Brett Bielema recruits for a year or two. And then just fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, he was developing guys. He was even maybe it was a bit of Saeed Khalif and some of the recruiting department. They were recruiting at a higher. Well, Chris level. would go on the recruiting show too, but like, it it just doesn't before. make sense. Why? Why? How did you? How did you get all these four star offensive linemen? And even to a degree, I think maybe a five star or two sprinkled in there. And they all, all of them seem like. A, they're soft. B, they're they haven't developed. Or C, they're just not good. How did how do did we you wanna, miss on every single one? Do we it's go incredible. The, do we want to go on the Dave from Monona route? Was it the front cover of Sports Illustrated and the Red Robin Yum hey, that interview? Was, that was before they got paid to do that. Well, well, yeah, he goes well, no, with the th- paid side. Th- but no, that's where it started. Is. That's yeah. remember they're on the Sports Illustrated cover. They're all talking about Red Robin, and that's when the the city declined. Now they're getting nil deal money. All of a sudden, yeah, they're, they're less, 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 less. We would kill for that offensive line right now. <laughs> yeah, because think that <laughs> what that season was was twenty eighteen. Was that twenty eighteen? Yeah, that, that offensive line. I think there was a disconnect, but we all know the rumors with Alex Hornibrook and some of the, the offensive wandering linemen. eyes of Hornibrook. They yeah. blocked their asses off when they ran the football, the and they Horny blocked and their Brook. asses off when Jack Cohn came in, and they allowed him to throw five-yard passes. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't give two craps when Alex Hornibrook was a quarterback, so I think that was the issue there. And then still, all those guys are in the NFL now. Yep. Like, there's... Even though they might not have been first round picks like was projected like the year before or like top picks, they still all got drafted and they're still all sticking in the league. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at this team right now, how many of them do you think get drafted off of this offensive line? <laughs> how many do you think legitly stick in the league? I think there's definitely going to be guys on this team just based on talent that get looks. Don't don't yeah. give me, no, you know, don't don't get me power. wrong, but staying power or legit like first, second, third, no. fourth round draft picks? I don't know. 
they better play a hell of a lot better if they're looking for that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more Wisconsin coming up here. Uh, good news, though, before we get to break and get the Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. Speaking of quarterbacks, backup quarterback Chase Wolf not going to be playing on uh, Saturday, but trending to be available soon, and so is safety Hunter Wohler. Yes. Was the uh, now Hunter Waller's good news because that's a player. Yeah. Now, <laughs> was Chase Wolf just a body? It's just a guy. It's just a guy. Hey, Chase, he fits perfectly in that quarterback is room. Chase just a guy. Wolf returning the reason why Deacon Hill put himself in the transfer portal. I think it might have been Miles Burkett being like, "Hey, I'm yeah. better than you." Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, like, Burkett's better than him. So yeah. Does Burkett still do, or does Chase Wolf get that job back? I think All Chase I'm Wolf saying is, I've back. seen Chase Wolf play a handful of games, and I've seen Miles Burkett play one rough half against the worst team in Division One college football, and um, made some plays. I'm taking Miles Burkett. Hey, Chase Wolf's really good. Yeah, at- but you're going to sit him for the rest of the time if Chase Wolf can come back and play hey. it because you can redshirt him then. No offense to Chase Doesn't Wolf. Doesn't he get like four or five games? Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying. He's like, only played in one, correct? Right. Uh, two, I think. Two? Well, Because I think he played against. Uh, um, sounds Illinois like I State keep him well. warm and ready because if he needs to go in in two to three more games, he's in. Let me check that. Sorry, Chase. Chase is really good at completing to the other team. Yeah, I'll give him that. He does do that. Like he well. throws a mean ball to the other team. Yeah, he's very Kenny Pickett-esque in Kenny Pickett's <laughs> first uh, start where he didn't have one incompletion. They were all completions or picks. <laughs> Except for this situation, it's mop-up duty, and he throws five passes. Three are picked, and two are five-yard completions. you <laughs> got a drama. This article came out. What was that last? Was it over the weekend? Last week? Over Chris McIntosh and Paul Chris, the meeting that was? When was that, Rowdy? My, my time is so my the off. Jesse Temple article came out, and that was with the lack of a recruiting office for like eight months and some of the issues that they had kind of behind the scenes with the recruiting side. But then there was another issue or article. I don't know if it was Jesse Temple. Was it Polzine? I can't it- remember who it was. I gotta go find it, it. It was going. It had its rounds, and you read it, and it basically sounded like, from what I gathered from reading stuff on Twitter, reading the excerpts of the article, and just kind of keeping your ear to the street, it almost sounded like to me that it kind of happened the way I said. Remember how I said if they lose to Illinois, Paul Chris needs to be called into the Here principal's office. I found it. <sighs> yeah. And there's going to definitely have to be a talk. That's kind of what it sounds like, according to the article, that Chris McIntosh pulled uh, he pulled Paul Chris into the here. office to, to talk to him. Read the sc- yeah, clip. after I finish here. It, it pulled him in to talk to him, and it didn't sound like initially that there was going to be a firing, but more of like a state of the union on the Wisconsin yeah. football program. Like, what the hell is going on? Why are we looking this bad? And then Paul Chris took offense to that. He was upset. And then they got into this heated confrontation, which ended in McIntosh being pissed off and firing Chris. Yeah, here it is. Here, this is from footballscoop.com. Uh, multiple sources this week told football scoop that Chris firing had blindsided many, even in the upper reaches of Wisconsin's administration. Those same sources indicated an extremely heated conversation between Chris and Wisconsin's athletic director, Chris McIntosh, uh, rested at the foundation of the stunning move. Sources tell Football Scoop neither Chris nor McIntosh headed to that meeting expecting the outcome that transpired. So, but you were just saying, basically, Rowdy, neither came in thinking that they were going to get shown the door or have to show someone the door, 
And then head started to butt a little bit, blood boiled, and all of a sudden, you fired. Well, it sounded like it was one of those meetings, like I said, like, what the heck's going on? And then when Paul Chris got called out by Chris McIntosh saying, kind of like questioning him why this is happening or whatever, Mm -hmm. he took offense to that and got upset. Then Chris McIntosh got upset because of him coming at McIntosh, if if I was reading and understanding this correctly, yeah. and then McIntosh kind of on a whim said, you're fired because it's two guys getting in a huge argument, and one obviously had the power to fire the other one. Yeah. So, yeah, a big, a big tiff. If I remember in McIntosh's press conference to the media after you know on Sunday when the Packers were in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, that it was a, I think he described it as a very long meeting. If you have a very, I've never personally been fired. Have you ever been fired? No. I've, I've, I've been on the. I've left. I've been in the room when you've had to fire someone. Like I've been on the other side of it where I was there to like tell someone that they're done. Let's just say those meetings aren't long. They're very quick. I left because most of the jobs that I've had were either in, you know, during Other high school you just or college. Like, you don't show up or you say I've, screw you. Yeah. I've left one where I'm like, I'm out of here. This this place sucks. Yeah. But other than that, it's always you left because you went back to school or back to college or whatever. Yeah, never actually being fired. So anyone out there has ever been fired? Was it ever a long, drawn-out meeting? Or was it a, hey, we need to see an HR? You go to HR, it's a little uncomfortable. You sit down, all of a sudden... Well, we've made up a mind. Here's our uh, decision. Uh, you're being let go. And then the, the meeting lasts like a minute. And then you're out. And then you maybe exchange some emails later on to, you know, a severance or whatever it is that uh, your package of getting terminated or you're just screwed. I've been on the other end of it where we've had to fire someone. And let's just say those meetings aren't long. They're very, very quick. As McIntosh and his, you know, presser to the media when he said Jim Leonard's the interim head coach, he said it was a very long meeting. Sounds like there was a long conversation. Things got heated, and someone. Yeah, but now does that make you look at Macintosh a little differently? Because I think one of our one of our listeners, Dave from Monona, brings up a good point. Oh, David, if Paul Christ was able to be fired that way, oh yeah, this one. How and and I like. Paul Christ has done a great job at Wisconsin prior to 2020. His 2015 through that 2019, 2020 season. Phenomenal. Only building Wisconsin up, making it better. Mm-hmm. Only recruiting better, only winning uh, better games or finishing good seasons was really good with a bowl record. Obviously had one of the better winning percentages as a head coach finished third on the all-time wins list, had he finished the season, he would have been second behind only Barry Alvarez. Yep. And then there was 2020, and then the, obviously some of the issues that have occurred. And but for him to be able to be fired on a whim because there was a an, an argument between him and the AD, how can a guy like Tony Granado not even have a meeting? <laughs> How can a guy that I remember because when they brought well, no, him they in, they sacrificed Mark Strobel, which was so dumb. I remember when they brought him in. I was in college. We love you, Strobes. There was um, my man. Some of my roommates were actually pretty good at hockey. Yeah, and they were like, 
how the hell is this guy playing for the Badgers? Like, we literally played, like, club hockey with him. He's not that good. And, like, they were good players, but not Division One type players. Yeah. And they're like, this team is not going to be that good. And then all of a sudden they came <laughs> out of nowhere in his first year, and I think they finished second in the Big Ten, if I remember correctly. And, and I think they were, like, one of the teams that just barely missed making it into the NCAAs. And then pretty much every single year outside of that first year was a disaster outside of the COVID year where no one even got to go watch them in person. Which was a shame. Because it was the COVID year, and that was when they had Cole Caulfield. So they were balling out. Exactly. But outside of those two seasons, it's been a massive failure. Terrible. Failure. It's been awful. And, yeah, you can say that the recruiting has been better, but you know what? I think a lot of people would say, I'd rather have worse recruiting if you won more games. So I, I would love to know what happened in the meeting. Like if it was a long drawn out meeting and no one knew what was going to happen when they entered it, like you didn't think you're going to fire him. Don't you think it's weird? So though? what happened? Don't you think it's weird that he called him in for a state of the union on the football program? Especially I could understand long meeting. I could understand doing that at the end of the season. I know things didn't look great, but you got to give Paul and I've been on this the whole time. If you were going to move on you move on at the end of the year, you got to give Paul, Paul Chris, the Wisconsin guy, your respect, especially for what he's done. But for him to, to have a meeting in season, I, I don't know this for a fact. I really don't follow hockey that closely, but I've never heard anything about Tony Granato having a meeting, but how the hell if Paul Chris had a meeting, has he not? Did a booster call in and say something? Did, uh, did McIntosh say, is the wildcat really going to be in our offense? And Chris was like, yes, maybe that was the breaking point. Rowdy. It was the Wildcat. Maybe that was what broke it. McIntosh, are we really running Wildcat out there? Last thing, last thing I got to know, Paul, before you're out of here, great meeting. Are we really going to run the Wildcat moving forward? Uh, well, like, well, we appreciate the opportunity to. Well, right, you're fired. You're again, done. I'm not a hockey guy. Never have been. Never played growing up. Don't watch a ton of but it. But you know but wins from, and losses. But, I, yeah, I can see when a team stinks every single year. But I think the other thing is when you listen to some of the people that do follow Badger hockey that were big you know, hockey guys – they're saying the same things, and it's always like, oh, you know what? They got a lot of talent, and a lot of the talent, you know, they're centers and forwards, but the D has been sketchy the, since Granado took over, and the goalies have been awful. It's kind of like with the Wisconsin football. How can you go so long with a bad quarterback or at least not attempting to recruit like a, a quarterback yeah. to bring in competition or, you know, bring in some more linemen like why hasn't there yeah this is actually a great parallel yeah. right. why have you not brought in a, a quarterback to compete with Graham Mertz because he's been performing same thing I think a lot of people would say for the the hockey goalies for Wisconsin why did you not yeah. go grab anyone or try and bring anyone else on scholarship and then the other reason would be hey you know the development why hasn't there been so much development for some of these players? Because they came in and were supposed to be really sure. good and haven't amounted right. to that. But at the same time, we're sitting here uh, talking about that for the Wisconsin program, which football has been much better than hockey yes. the last 10 years. All right, uh, people, people reacting. Line one, good morning. Hey, Blaine, calling in from up north here. What up, Troy? Hey, I, I'm glad to see you guys are kind of over the, the, the morning of Deacon Hill. That's that's good. That's a positive. I miss him though. Uh, I do miss him. Yeah, I know. Um, Big arm. You know. You know. I, the two things. One on one of the one on the Badgers first here. Uh, the the thing with Paul Chris was it's so unlike Wisconsin to fire a coach after five games. Paul Chris was a clean guy. 
He was a good guy. He brought us 72% wins. But if you go back over the last, I don't know, maybe COVID years here, this program has fallen down. Mm-hmm. And it just has. And it would be it would have been great to be in the meeting. But that's part where people, and, and I think Rowdy didn't want to see him uh, get his walking papers. And I wasn't either at first, but I kind of, I, I, I seen things over the last couple of years. You go back, things have not gone at the level, even of the 72%. We could, you could see us starting to slide and something at that meeting just triggered it and boom, you're gone. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys, cause I, I don't know about the Packers when they had that one second out of their three series in the second half where Rogers threw three passes like 15 or 20 yards downfield and not one was even close. Does he, do you guys know, or does anybody out there notice, does, does he have the hundred percent audible clearance just to call anything that he wants at the line? Because that's serious. Well, LaFleur really- talked about it. LaFleur talked about it. Uh, I'll play the clips coming up, Troy. And Rogers, he's like, if he sees something, he has the ability to audible out of it. And, and they said they saw something and he loved the call of, of passing at the end. So. Right. But, but it was so obvious in the second half that we got out of the, out of the running game. It was just so obvious. Yeah, it's, it and, always happens. And it's like, what are you doing? And, right. And so is that on the floor or is that on Rogers? I, that part, or is it 50, 50, that part of it? I just, I just don't know. Um, yeah. The last two, last two offensive plays we had, they were just such bad plays. Yeah. I'll play he the comments the, coming up. I'll play the comments. coming okay. up. Okay. He throws the ball off the guy's face mask and, and that, that wasn't even beyond the face mask. That was going to work. And they threw that back shoulder, there, the guy tipped it, and that's a tough, tough pass into the corner of the end zone there. I don't know. It was just, uh, I just don't know if it's 50-50 or whatever, but I'll be anxious to hear what you guys yeah. have to say. So. Be the man, Troy. We love you, buddy. All right, you guys have a good one. See you. See ya. Uh, line two, real quick. Good morning, who's this? Hey, good morning, Matt. Crossland. Yo, what's up, Matt? Hey, not a lot. I was just uh, going to comment on Rowdy's <clears throat> comment about why uh, Granado didn't have a meeting, you know. Yeah. I believe Granado's probably just a placeholder until uh, Mark Johnson decides he wants to coach the, the men's team and move over. I don't think he ever will. You don't think he will? Oh, okay. Well, we kind of had the conversation with yesterday with RJ a little bit. Rowdy? Yeah. Out there? Well, yeah, I can't remember when we did, but it was basically like they Mark Johnson applied for the hockey job and I believe it was when they gave it to Mike Eaves. And then yeah. that was when he went and coached the women's, if I'm remembering the conversation correctly. And I, I would understand if he never wanted to apply again. I mean, if you would feel like you were stepped over. Now you have your your squad with the women, and you're consistently competing for national titles. Why would you want to move on? Yeah, that's the one thing that I noticed. I went to the uh, New Mexico game. They were celebrating Title IX, and I, I thought to myself, wow, volleyball, women's hockey, don't think uh, it'll be a while before the uh, men's team win the <laughs> right. national title. <laughs> I know. Fourth and the ball game. There's a signal right there. That shoulder tap. You ready for Lazard? Ball batted again. Incomplete. The Giants hold the Packers out of the end zone. 1-0-2 to go. And Rush right there. Look at him. Touching his right shoulder. He knows. They didn't leave anybody else on the field. It was all out. Cover zero. Aaron Rodgers had a quick answer. And McKinney. Wow. We had a lot of run past cans, and they played a lot of single high and manned us up. And it's, you know, do you want to run into a loaded box or do you want to try to get it through the air? And 
give credit. You know, Wink's a guy I totally I got a lot of respect for, and he outcoached us in the second half, and they outplayed us. Yep. Bloody Sunday indeed. Bloody, bloody Sunday in London. We say good morning to Mike Clemens. Hey, Mike, good morning. How are you, boys? I'm still reeling over that Packers loss, man. There was a steamy biscuit, Mike. So is LaFleur. I think he needs to stop telling the world that uh, he got outcoached, that all the calls were his fault. And even if that is the case, um, I think that that's also taking a hold in the locker room. There might be a little bit of a trust issue going on. Uh Uh, You've got guys that are saying that, uh, no, I I agree with the call. I mean, you know, you're down there the fourth and the TV said a fourth and two. The game book actually called it a fourth and one. But how is Aaron Rodgers at the line? Did you hear that announcer? I don't know exactly the name of the crews for the NFL Network, but the, the, the color guy was saying he was picking up the when Rodgers tapped his right shoulder, the ball was going to go to the right to Lazard. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that the Giants figured this out. Lazard was asked after the game, instead of running a, an RPO, a run-pass option, you know, was the right play call on a third and second or fourth and second – to try and flip the ball to you, which Xavier McKinney easily smelled and, and deflected? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the play call is. It's all about execution. It's about those 11 guys go out there and doing their job. And there's been plenty of plays where we've called the worst play for that look and we've still executed. So um, it's just all about doing your job and executing in the, in the moment. Uh, some other guys wanted to do their job, Mike. That would have been like, I don't know, the running backs who said they would have picked up those two yards there at the end of the game. Yeah, you know, obviously if the pass had worked, tremendous. You know, the the Packers' opening drive where they ended up with that triple fake and threw it to a wide-open Mercedes Lewis, why, why didn't they just run that play again, only just, you know, flip it to another receiver? Right. Or why aren't you why aren't you running the football? Because with all the – I'm, I'm assuming a lot of what Aaron Rodgers did was him and Tom Clements are off the side. They see that there's four defensive backs out of the game for the Giants. They are, they are playing against practice squad guys, and that usually gets you all excited. On some of those ridiculous three and outs where they were trying to throw long balls down the sidelines and they couldn't get Lazard or some of their other receivers to beat the, those backup secondary guys and you know three passes instead of running the ball. Or when you're in the goal-to-goal situation, you got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And Aaron Jones, this is, this is as much of a company man as you'll ever find. But he was asked, hey, what would you think on like a third and second? Shouldn't, shouldn't they consider running the ball with you or A.J. Dillon instead? I'd put my money on it. You give me an A.J. two downs to get two yards. Uh, I'd put my money on it. So, uh, But at the same time, I don't, I'm not the quarterback, so I don't know what A-Rod's seen. Um, and they made a good defensive play to bat it down. So. Um, you know, we just go back to the drawing board and put our heads down and keep working. I saw a lot of people making a stink over Aaron Jones' comments, saying there's controversies. Like, I don't know what you wanted him to say, that he wouldn't have got the two yards, you know? Like, don't you want your running back to be confident? Wish they would have used them, though. It, you know what? The whole thing about it, though, Ebo, is that it's, it's out of character. He is such a company man. It's like, hey, whatever they, the play they call, this is one of the first times I can ever think the guy said, give me the damn ball, yeah. you know, essentially. Um, and... And this game, too, you know, the Packers were heavily favorably by double digits. It was the worst upset loss from the odd standpoint since 2018 when they played a crummy Cardinals team in December at Lambeau Field. 
uh, and got upset by the Cardinals. And then about two hours later, Mike McCarthy got fired. Mercedes Lewis was asked about, you know, how do you deal with a, a big upset loss like this? At the end of the day, it's NFL, right? You're not going to win them all. Uh, so I think um, it's important to you know keep that in perspective, but also understand that in this game, it's about getting better. The margin for error is very small. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you at the end of the day. I mean, you, you have to go in there and do your thing and work uh, and be ready next week. I think that's the, the beauty of playing this game, right, is you get to come out next week and show everybody what you've been working on next weekend. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And like I said, the leadership is going to be there. And, this one was tough. Yeah, it's the NFL. I mean, that's a good point for Mercedes Lewis. They're all professionals out there. So, uh, Mike, on the before the trip to uh, London, Matt Lafleur very grumpy. I wonder how grumpy he was coming back from L- London with a loss. I don't know. He had a great press conference yesterday where he strangely got into X's and O's details and terminology he's never used before. Like, I don't know if he's showing off or just speaking from the heart, but trying to break down exactly how plays happened or, or didn't happen. Then you talk about the defense and why they couldn't get off the field on you know 11 play and 15 play drives and how the Giants just dominated the second half. And, of course, the offense from Green Bay didn't help when they go three and out and three and out. Rasul Douglas, you know, he had three penalties. Two of those were just killers. They, they had these guys at third down. He gets flagged for, like, unnecessary roughness and another call and gives the Giants, you know, fresh blood. And LaFleur was asked, you know, last night about, you know, how did you grade out the, the, your defense when you got home from London? Defensively, there was moments that looked really good to start the game, two, three and outs. I thought our, our guys were playing well early. Third series, they got a field goal, and then after that it kind of unraveled. And certainly there were a couple pivotal plays in that game that, you know, we had two sacks that got nullified by penalties, and, you know, those are always very subjective calls that sometimes you get and sometimes you don't, and that definitely hurt us, though. Hmm. Yeah, the floor is what an interesting week it was in change for him from before and after the London trip. And then I'm curious what, you know, Rogers is thinking about the floor, the floor is thinking about Rogers and the state of the Packers right now. Well, you go down to Florida, you play in the heat against Tom Brady, but Brady's missing his top three receivers, including the Mike Evans suspension. And they almost came back. Fortunately, your defense actually made a huge play on that two point conversion and you squeak out a win there. The Patriots game. Ridiculous! You get a third-string kid coming out of Bailey Zappi, who almost beat you, almost almost tied it up, uh, and now this thing against a a battered Giants team, which clearly has got much better coaching with Brian Dable and Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator, and Aaron Rodgers was asked. So now at three and two, three and two, how do you feel overall about where your team is at? We get to handle adversity a little bit better. We're a little bit of a roller coaster team at times. Uh, our best teams have been a little bit more steady. So we got to find that rhythm and that, that steadiness. Uh, we got to get back and get healthy and get rested. We got a home game uh, that we'll probably be favored in against the Jets. And we got to go back and, and refocus. The, the biggest issue, and it's again, you know, I wish I had this, uh, you know, the perfect answer or explanation of this, but we haven't played consistent football in all three phases and the margin of error for us in winning uh, is small so we have to make those plays uh, especially when you're playing against a good football team and the Giants are a good football team they're 4-1 we have to 
make the throws that I got to make the throws that are necessary. We got to come up with the catches. We got to run the ball. We got to force some turnovers on teams or on defense. When you get the opportunities, we got to make those plays because we're just uh, we're not sharp enough yet to have uh, a wider margin uh, of error. Now I'm not trying to manifest anything here, Mike, but I hope they're sharp enough to not lose to the Jets on Sunday. You know, when the schedule came out, you thought, okay, that's an easy W because they were what. Four and thirteen last year, they're three and two. They beat the Dolphins. You know they took out the Dolphins. Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, but Brees Hall, their running back, he's uh, he's got huge numbers again, just like what you faced with Barkley this past week. And these guys are playing for uh, for Robert Salah, who, by the way, was Matt Lafleur's best man at his wedding. Yeah. I mean, he knows everything about Matt. They've been friends, closest friends for twenty years. This guy is a defensive guy. Used to be with the 49ers. He's got this team now on a roll. And so I was asked about, okay, so you're, you you finally got a winning record. I mean, the Jets haven't been to the postseason in 11 years. Uh, how do you feel about where your team is at at the you know, and heading into week six? What we've accomplished is is winning three games out of 17. You put it in the back shelf and you just keep on moving. We got a big one with uh, Green Bay, and we're going to have a big one the next week and the big one after that. And and the ability to to compartmentalize or to push, you know, enjoy the win until noon on, which was today, noon today, and then move on right to Green Bay in terms of taking care of your body and preparing yourself the way you need to. Uh, that's what championship teams do, and we've got a long way to go before we can uh, before we can ever prove that. And to to do that, you've got to create consistency. So it's awesome. Uh, that we've been able to get off to the start we have, but at the same time, it, it doesn't mean anything because it all starts over every week. Mike, awesome stuff. We'll talk more on Thursday, my friend, as just up against the break right now.